Okay. I'm Nick Bircher, and this is the Nordic Future Makers podcast. This week, my guest is Ville Vertinen from Finland, but you probably know him better as the legendary DJ, producer, and electronic music artist, Derude. Today, we're going to talk about music and culture and how the internet has been instrumental in Derude's success. We're going to talk about Sandstorm. We're going to talk about how that's come back again during the coronavirus period. And we'll talk about some of the other projects Darude has been working on with live streaming and digital tools over recent months too. So, Darude, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm, um, I'm happy to be here. This is going to be interesting. So, so let's jump straight in and let's talk about Sandstorm. So it's come back in recent months during the corona crisis. So, so what's been happening? Uh, yeah, that's that track. I mean, it's, it's had, I mean, it's a cat or, you know, I don't know what it is. It has so, has had so many lives. And again, now this, uh, coronavirus time, uh, really tough time for everybody, but some, um, like a lot of people have, I guess, found a little bit of, uh, distraction and, and fun in, in uh, playing Sandstorm. And there was this lady called Orvokki who is, um, I guess, a Darude fan or a Sandstorm fan. And she started a Facebook group called Parveke Darudet. Uh, that uh, translates to Balcony Darude. And um, I've been using term or phrase like stand, Sandstorm Balcony Jam in English. That sort of explains it better. So she basically called for everybody to jump on their balconies on Friday at 6 p.m., and blast sandstorm and go nuts and video themselves and which people did to to a point where i could not believe it i didn't know whether to laugh or cry and i did both and um it actually last friday was the last one sort of officially well while this has been unofficial unofficial all the time anyways but the midsummer friday was the last one that we did it officially and it's basically now you know the corona stuff obviously is not over but the limitation restrictions are being lifted here and there and um, i think the whole thing sort of ran its course but yeah i mean people just dressed up they made music video like things for that i've seen witches i've seen weird looking animals and i've seen people just really really throw themselves in this and i've just been a part of it like it's my track that orwoki suggested and people went with but but i didn't start it and i can't take any of that credit out of it but see my track in it has been obviously amazing and uh like as an artist it warms my heart and i'm very proud of it but at the same time hand hand on my heart i I gotta say that had that been any other track i would have been supporting the thing as well because it's just we needed that kind of distraction at least like once a week and you know have some fun and forget the misery that's been going on with the lockdown but that so that's been happening every Friday at the same time for for weeks and, and months. Yes, and I mean, what's really cool about that is that uh, first uh, Finnish national broadcast radio Ule and their channel Ule X, which is sort of um, like BBC Radio One 
equivalent. They took it as well. And I mean, they started playing. Their uh, Friday night is, uh, at that time, is sort of a retro DJ playing retro music, so 90s and whatnot. And uh, they took it as well. And every Friday, officially at 6 p.m., they played Sandstorm until like two or three weeks ago. And a couple of other radio stations jumped in in solidarity as well, which is really cool because normally they obviously fight for, you know, listeners, but they all were in on it. There were two or three others. And it sort of spread this solidarity thing, which was really cool. And then I, of course, um, I jumped in with my live streams, which I started doing around the same time or reactivated in them. And so every Friday I've started my DJ set with playing Sandstorm at 6 p.m. finish time. And then I, I played two to five hours after that. Um, so it, it's been really cool. Because that's, that's just the latest iteration of Sandstorm in culture, isn't it? So if, if we go all the way back to the beginning, I think I was in Ibiza in the summer of 2000 and Sandstorm was literally everywhere. But, but it kind of, there was no warning. It, it just suddenly kind of exploded. Yeah, well, uh, there was kind of no warning for me either, um, you know, half, well, a year earlier, really. So in uh, in August 99, I got the my final sort of demo done, and then I presented that to my now good friend, JS16, or Jaakko Salovara, who um, I didn't want anything else from other than feedback for the track, but he sat me down and he actually wanted me to be or suggested if I'd be the first artist on his label that he just founded and which I didn't even know about and um, I said yes obviously I looked up to him as a producer and as a DJ and and so then that was surprise I wasn't really aspiring to be an internationally touring artist and I was just making music as my hobby and so fast forward to getting Sandstorm done in just a couple of weeks from then, uh, the official version that is the single, and then releasing it in Scandinavia, releasing it in, in some European countries, and then getting the UK release early summer 2000, and then basically the world short shortly after, and that just happened in initially a few weeks and literally less than a year, and I became from a student and a part-time Apple store worker to an internationally touring artist. Wow. And there, there was the internet, there was a thing called mp3.com at that point, which, yeah. which you were quite into and that, that helped as well, I believe. Well, yeah, in, in many ways it helped like mp3.com was similar to, I mean, what many sites are today, but like I would say SoundCloud, I guess in the sense that, but it was very much an amateur thing like you wouldn't have professional musicians who had releases putting out music there so it was a really really cool outlet for somebody like me they had little chart system and different genres and it was um um the charting was based on the amount of listens and downloads but it was very sort of rudimentary and uh you know i had a little success in couple of charts with couple of tracks there but i still was never thinking that I would get a, a real release and uh, but you would get support from like-minded people like 
you know, somebody from Sweden or somebody from America or whoever from wherever would like your track and you would comment on theirs and they would comment on yours and we would have, you know, kind of, uh, there wasn't really similar social media and even chat possibilities like there is today. Obviously, like something like IRC was existing and there was message boards that you could definitely communicate with people, but it wasn't as direct and as, as easy as today, but, but you would find similar people. And, uh, the story goes that Neo Records that released my track or and licensed it for, for global release, they found Sandstorm on mp3.com. And um, that is pretty cool. And I mean, I don't know if I was the first one to be found like that, but one of the first ones around that time, you know, that started, mp3s had started becoming a thing and the Napster explosion was around that time. Yeah as well and all that stuff so yeah it was a new time and new new ways for not just me but everybody okay and i i think this idea of different groups picking it up at different times is is interesting because sandstorm wasn't just a club hit that kind of came and stayed for that summer and went away but it got picked up by different groups so so for sports I mean, my team, Watford, my football team, they they still run out to Sandstorm at the beginning of the second half. And it kind of became, then became a massive thing in, in sports, in, in America, in across the world. It, it became like the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know why that track particularly, but that kind of music fits really well in sports. Obviously there's a lot of um, energy in it and, uh, you know there are not similar in style but similar in 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 idea tracks that have like some sort of a strong melody a, a strong riff and a lot of energy a certain type of tempo and and certain type of like crescendo buildups uh, after the fact 2020 hindsight obviously is easy but so in in that way i understand why that kind of track fits well but then um, it's still a mystery to me why, you know, first of all, the track became a hit, but then why uh, it's such a long-standing thing in, for instance, sports. If somebody could tell me that, I would uh, make a couple more. But it's it must be great for you whenever you turn on the TV or the Olympics or anything like that and hearing your song playing as teams run out. Oh, absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, it makes me really, really proud. And it, I mean, to this day, still, like, I have friends who've uh, gone to NHL games, or I mean, like you mentioned, Olympics have been there, you know, and my phone beeps, you know, they heard Sandstorm at a, you know, game or, you know, some, some swimming or whatever. Like, I've got American friends who went nuts when Michael Phelps once again won a gold medal of whichever. It was of the, I don't know, eight that he won last or something like that. And when he went to the warm-up, there was Sandstone playing. And then when, I don't know, he came off the pool, there was Sandstone playing. And so my, my you know, American friends just were texting me left and right and going nuts. Well, it, it kind of became a thing in gaming as well, didn't it? That idea of Sandstorm is playing, I can't lose. Yeah. And that's an interesting one because... It became a thing, Sandstorm, in the gaming world, and I it just caught me by surprise. Like, if you would go through the couple of zillion comments on YouTube that Z- Sandstorm video has, 
you would see me answering to a couple of people. The track name is Sandstorm, like it says in the video description. And yeah. people were like laughing at me. And I don't, I didn't understand why, but the joke was asking what song. And the answer was always whether it's Sandstorm or not. It's the root Sandstorm. And there are a couple of stories about that, but but I guess the one that I know is that the odd one, I guess, is the name of the the gamer who was streaming his his gaming, and he was always just sort of winning, and he loved listening to Sandstorm. And on his chat, basically, and maybe others as well, people came in the chat mid track and asked like, "What track is this? What song?" And people got so fed up with them always asking different people asking about the same song and then later on it just became like every time somebody asked about a song whether it was sandstorm or not they would always say the root sandstorm okay so it kind of goes from being a club thing it gets involved in sports you then get picked up by the gaming community with this whole mm -hmm. fun question and answer and the trolling and all, all of that stuff going on and and youtube then kind of got hold of it with all the memes and things the toy trumpets and all the stuff happening on youtube as well yeah and i mean so the thing about the i started streaming myself about five years ago i i became um a uh, twitch partner in 2015 i believe it was and i streamed uh sort of on and off for about two years or so back then uh maybe a little more and I would do live productions and all kinds of stuff there. And it was interesting how much the gamers actually, because Twitch was pretty much a gaming platform still at that point. They st just started the creative side of it as well. And I found it really fascinating and cool how much basically gamers and the gamer mindset and also the stream watchers mindsets was overlapping with electronic dance music and dance music artists like myself and it was really cool because some people would not watch you know more than five minutes of me trying to produce a track but on twitch you could produce for eight hours and i mean pick your nose sometimes and then go to the bathroom sometimes go to lunch sometimes sometimes tweak a kick drum for half an hour like basically nothing happening but people would still be there they would appreciate what you do and they would, if I wasn't talking to them, then they would chat between each other. And, and that was really cool. And then I also realized that especially the modern games have a lot of depth and a lot of similar sort of qualities. I think that making music does like, you know, you need to know your digital audio workstation. Like I use my logic. It's such a multifaceted thing. There's so many features, like the manual is 1,000 or 2,000 pages uh, long, and the gamers need to really be into their gaming as well and know what they're doing. So I found sort of a kindred spirit kind of thing while I was doing very different thing in my you know mind than they were. So that was really cool. And then it spread to like the meme stuff was going on in, in the YouTube side and that was sort of, um, I wouldn't like to say that it uh, saved my career because I wasn't like going down or anything, but it definitely gave a huge boost in sort of um, 
the exposure and I don't know relevancy of of my name or my track and I don't know that was like the third or fourth or fifth boost that I've had uh, along my career with Sandstorm because you had all these kind of crazy videos of people playing Sandstorm on a potato and stuff like that (laughs) yeah but but then um, YouTube themselves did this April Fool thing in was it 2015 I think it was they, they kind of got hold of Sandstorm and made it an April Fool. Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, it, that was insane. You could not buy that kind of advertisement if even if you wanted to. Like, I don't think you could go to YouTube and say like, hey, I'll give you this amount of money and let's do something as effective as that was. So they put a Sandstorm button on every video on YouTube. Is, is that right? Well, yeah. First of all, you did a search on youtube you know the some of the funnier things were like people would be searching like i don't know beatles some song or metallica some song or whatever quite different and then it does return that as the second i guess or maybe third uh suggestion but the first one would always be did you mean the root sandstorm and the link (laughs) to sandstorm and then also they had a sandstorm button where Basically, on top of the video that was playing, if they actually found the Metallica one and they got that playing, but you could press a button on the video player and it would actually start playing a clip of Sandstorm on top of that. And and there was just the, the comments, for instance, from Beatles fans, just to give you an example, would be like, like what the hell is this? <laughs> like, I, this is like blasphemy or something. Like, I didn't look for this kind of electronic whatever blah 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 but so it was really interesting and um i got i think two million two and a half million hits in 24 hours new hits on sandstorm that day wow so so the first of april 2015 every single music search on youtube the first result was did you mean the rude sandstorm yes and then even if they found the right song, they could then press a button, which would change it and overlay Sandstorm to it. Yes. Wow. Yes. And so so here's where we, I mean, that's mind-blowing. That, that was insane. Like, we watched the statistics real time, and it was just crazy. But, but this was something that we, um, my, uh, my friend, Jakko Manninen, who's made several music videos for me, he was about to die because we had been planning on a music video release or a new track release called Beautiful Alien a couple of weeks after that. But then when this YouTube thing came along, we could not let this moment sort of pass by. So we, you know, I call him and I was like, dude, you have 72 hours to get the music video done. And he literally thought that he has like three weeks. And so he stayed up for three days straight pretty much made the music video happen we uh, uh, uploaded it just in time and from the sandstorm music video every time you played that there was a link to the new music video of beautiful alien and we i think had like 200 250 views on the first day of the music video so that's um how we quickly jumped in and changed some plans because of that and uh, that was quite quite successful and uh, amazing timing obviously by youtube and and um we didn't plan that but then we kind of took the opportunity and uh, 
used it a little bit as well. Because I, I love the fact that you kind of embrace the madness and that you enjoy the fun of everything. And and I guess the whole Eurovision thing. So last year, you appearing at Eurovision for Finland mm-hmm. was kind of part of that as well. So it gives you this massive platform and an opportunity to try something different. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been actually asked to take part in Eurovision for Finland several times before, but Eurovision as as a contest and as you know what what the style is and what what the idea around it is wasn't really in a, in that way interesting to me i wasn't really aligning myself with i don't know the idea of eurovision but there was also the uh, the fact that earlier and actually now again the finnish song selection and artist selection was a contest but then for 2 years a year before me for um, Sara Aalto, she was invited to be the representing artist. And the same kind of thing was with me. I was asked if I wanted to be the artist representing Finland. Basically, there was the Eurovision organizing party. So Yle or um, UMK was um, trying out new things, to, I guess, to get better results at Eurovision or something. And so they invited the artist instead of having a contest between them. And uh, because that would guarantee me going through to actually represent the artist, uh, Finland as the artist, I took that on. And earlier, I didn't want to compete with uh, famous pop artists in Finland or whatever. And also, I didn't feel that I would have sort of a chance because I would have sort of people know me as the club dj or trans artist and then i didn't want to put my time into something that i didn't think that i'd be successful in and now this one where i was chosen and i was like hell yeah i want to try that and so my buddy sebastian raymond and i we um we made uh and selected and made three songs out of which one was selected to be the representing track track called look away and the Eurovision thing was amazing. Like I, the experience that I got just to see the insides of the whole sort of production and prep work and everything that goes into it, starting from choreographies and light shows and stage building and planning and all that stuff first in Finland. And then uh, getting to be on one of the biggest, if not the biggest live music TV broadcast in the world, I consider myself really, truly lucky to have had that opportunity. And um, I don't think I'll ever do that again. It was, it took like eight months out of my year to, to do all of that. And I had to put, put a lot of my own stuff, uh, you know, the root artist stuff on the back burner, but, but the experience was so great. And the Eurovision bubble, so to say, is amazing. Like Eurovision fans are crazy crazy enthusiastic and they basically support everybody and i think obviously as you were sort of saying i guess like my success with sandstorm earlier was definitely one of those reasons that i was considered being one uh, the the representing artist for finland and um we didn't sort of try to directly use sandstorm in in any way in that but obviously a lot of the questions in interviews and such was related to that and my 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 history with the track and i i've never really shied away from it and uh, 
as far as the meme stuff and the the fun poking goes i i had a weird moment with that i don't know 10 years ago or but i've sort of um that was just kind of a moment and i've i've realized that if in 2020 somebody comes to my gig because of that one track only well hey it's still a ticket sold and then I, it's a chance for me to update their idea of what i do these days and um, I'm quite confident that if they actually come through the door and stay for the for the track which I played towards the end of my set, then um, they'll most likely come back as well, or at least leave with good vibes because yeah. it's not that different stuff that I do today that I did back then. And I think that's that's kind of the thing. You've been obviously difficult times for DJs and everything going on, but but it's given you the chance to experiment with some new things. And we touched on it earlier, but the streaming that you've been doing on a, on a Friday night and the kind of the phone in you've been doing with WhatsApp, you've been doing lots of different things during the last few months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I streamed earlier, but then, um, and I, I really liked it. It was... Um, the connection is direct, which I really like. I like seeing my crowd uh, after the gig. I like go and slap high fives and even hugs and talk to people. And I've always done that. I've never wanted to be like a, a superstar on a pedestal or something like that. I'm I'm a very much a normal guy who, I don't know, for some reason is just lucky enough uh to to be able to do what i do and you know make my living out of that kind of thing and connect with people so the direct connection when streaming is very different but obviously a direct connection is it's similar still and especially now with uh the lockdown it's been very very good for i don't know you know mental health for for me and very many other djs as well who i who i've spoken with and um, it keeps you connected. And as an artist, you're you're sort of. Um, I mean, most artists, I would I would argue, you know, they have an um, whether it's ego, whatever it is, but they have this need for this connection and feedback for what they do, whether it's performing live or whether it's releasing music, just or something like that. So that's been sort of satisfied, you know, me streaming and and connecting with the people. And there's. You know, there's the feedback, but then also this uh, uh, sitting down and streaming and not just being hectic after a show for five minutes, but now you have sort of a full, whatever it is, two or five hours. It actually gets a little deeper than that. It's it's not just like, hey, Darude, you rock, but there's questions and answers and I can sort of steer the convo and I can select the questions that I want to answer and I I can sort of set the tone and also it, it's a it's a really nice community thing and it's also really cool because a lot of the viewers are vocal about how much they appreciate I mean not just me but other DJs as well and and other streamers doing the streaming especially now during the lockdown and letting the viewers see into our music sets but also just like studio production and getting to know know me a little better uh, than just the quick five minutes even they appreciate that as well after a show but but it's it's very different and i also try to um i've tried to be not just 
just the DJ and play that Friday set, which is my most successful one if you look at the numbers. But I also do a Monday stream that is production stream where I'll, um, I've been doing track breakdowns. So I've been actually showing my old tracks, how I made, say, a track called Surrender was this Monday. And there's been Beautiful Alien that I mentioned before. And the, the crowd has actually selected one out of three each time, and I, which got the most votes. I've been doing the breakdown of, and then I've showed them how I would create a kick drum or how I would do this and that. And this sampler or this synth has these features. And it's been just sort of technical. And and also uh, then the uh, listener and viewer led stuff. They can ask questions while I'm at it. And then the Wednesday one has been interesting because I actually gave out a WhatsApp number and people can send me messages before and during the, the Wednesday stream. And I'll answer their questions, some of them live, and then some of them I'll just call. And that's been very interesting. Like I've called India a couple of times. There's been Canadians and there's been Swedes and Irish people, British people, German, Polish. I don't remember, uh, you know, some Indonesia calls and Aussies and whatnot. And it's just kind of random. And sometimes they leave a name when they send a message. Sometimes they don't. And then based on the country code, I'm just guessing where the next person is going to be picking up. And that's quite cool. And part of that stream as well is that I'll, I've done a peer Skype call as well. So I've called my, uh, my friends and colleagues and um, we've had a chat. I've researched them a little bit, had some notes, and then the people can ask questions as well. Okay. So that's you sitting in your, your home studio, mm-hmm. and calling people up and talking to people on the phone and then bringing in a sort of parvo from above and beyond and, and other DJs like that into your, your studio, into that session as well. Yep. Yep. Via Skype. Yeah. Or some of them were just voice calls with the peers. But And uh, for instance, one, one cool highlight was there was this guy from actually now i don't remember if it was new zealand or australia but but it was so very late night or actually early morning for him and the wife was already a little irritated that he was up late following the stream but then uh, then he stayed up a little longer still and he actually took a picture and eventually i made a live uh whatsapp call a video call with him so i could see a glimpse of their sunrise Oh wow! In in that on that side of the planet, while it was you know seven or eight p.m. in Finland, so that was quite cool. So lo- lots of cool new things that you're you're kind of finding, and that this has given you the chance to do. So, so I think so. You work, and you have traditionally worked extremely hard, and you're trying to push boundaries and and things like that. But I've seen well, not just seen you quoted. I've written about you saying that it's all been in your words, a series of happy accidents. Mm-hmm. So do you really think it, it's luck that you've ended up in the position that you're in or, or is it hard work or is it a combination of everything? That's a really good question. And yeah, I think I have um, a good way of putting that to words better than just a sort of a short quote. I'm not saying your quote is wrong, but but if you take that out of context or just say that, then you might think that I just sort of believe in luck. And luck is definitely a factor, but to me, luck is also, you could just say coincidence, like random stuff. 
I, I also say, and I don't know, I don't believe this is my original quote, but I mean, you create your own luck. And I also say that, like you said, my, my career and it's series of happy accidents, but I think my skill, part of my skill is to know what happy accident to grasp or pursue after when you come to it somehow. And also in practice, every day when I'm in my studio and I start working, I'm trying to make the best conditions for those happy accidents to happen. And partially, that's just a saying I think that I've sort of just been stuck on using because I don't consider myself a crazy talented live musician. I've never studied keys or guitar or anything like that full on, like went to piano school or anything like that. So it's hard for me to um, think of myself as a genius in a room, just thinking of something and doing it. Rather, my process, process is trial and error. And that's where the happy accidents come in. I, I play, and I mean, I, I can play my chords and, and melodies in my own way, and I can easily play some sort of thing that I come up with. And then if I have a bum note, I just correct it with the mouse in, in, the, in the software and whatnot. But often I don't know exactly what I want until I hear it. So I might create a chord progression and I might have some drums, for instance, but then I just start playing on top of that. Sometimes the playing result uh, gives results, like there's a cool melody that I like. Sometimes it doesn't. And then if it doesn't, I might actually like add a delay or some other effect to the sound. Often delay because that gives a rhythmic element to it. And then I start playing around and sometimes randomly, sometimes with a purpose, but then that playing around create with the delay creates random things that I didn't exactly think of, but that I like. And those are happy accidents that I then just hold on to when, when I hear something that I like. Then I try to recreate it. And once I figure out how that, where that comes from, where the harmony or where the delay or the rhythm that I created, but the happy accident is that I didn't mean to do it exactly like that, if, if you know what I mean. So I try to create those conditions where the happy accidents can happen. And also the luck part, you know, me handing out 100 demo CDs and, and 99 first of them didn't yield any sort of result other than the no thank you uh, letter, if that. And then the hundredth was the one that I gave J16. Well, I don't know if it was exactly the hundredth, but about something like that. Well, was that luck or hard work? And I, I think that I, in that way, created my own luck because I was just handing them out and not really counting the sort of failures, the 99 first ones. Okay. So you've kind of got that, that luck comes from the, the hard work and the persistence. Yeah, like... I wouldn't I wouldn't take away the 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 happenstance the coincidence out of anything that that definitely is there and you can call that luck and I don't think there's anything wrong with that but but if you are in business or if you are in something that you really want to do there has to be intention 
And sometimes the intention might also be sort of hidden, like underlying thing. Like I had a huge passion for music, but I never real, like truly never had a, you know, I didn't sing in a shower or, you know, with a hairbrush in my hand, pretending to be a rock star or wanting to be a rock star or electronic musician. It just happened. But I was very, very passionately and deeply looking into music and listening to it uh, more so than my a lot of my friends were. And so after the, you know, looking back, I realized that that was my thing, but I just didn't know it. I didn't even think of it like that. Okay. And then you take that and you match that to a mindset of curiosity where you're thinking, I wonder what would happen if. Yeah, indeed. And then you kind of get these happy accidents and you get the hard work and you get the luck and it all kind of comes together. Yes. And the funny thing is, and it's also right now easy for me to say, but and it's cliche, but when you get to do something that you love, you don't count the hours, you don't think about it as work. It's just, there's a, you know, the hours that I've put in, in the last, well, 20 years and several years before that, but professionally about 20 years. Uh, countless countless i I mean people talk about 40 hour whatever work week yeah of course but i'm probably 80 or 100 hour work week or whatever it is because i don't think i'll ever sort of fully turn off and that's not always a great thing but that's how your mind works when you are you know when you get your income and your sort of artistic satisfaction from the thing that you love okay well, it's been great talking to you. I've really enjoyed enjoyed our chat, going through all the different things that you're thinking and all the different things that you're doing. No, like likewise, this has been fun. Thanks for your time today. It's been great. And for everyone else, I think Derude is a great example of a Nordic future maker, someone who's consistently trying new things and trying to push things forward in music and culture. And we now know that it's okay to answer every question with the phrase Derude Sandstorm. <laughs> Indeed. Thank you, Vila Derude, for your time and for talking to me today. And congratulations on also cheering everybody up over the last few weeks with, with the balcony jams and, and all of that stuff too. Of course. Uh, thank you so much. And um like I said earlier, I've always been, uh, tried to be, and just naturally been very much approachable in my opinion. So anybody listening, if you want to find out what I'm about, just hop on to my socials. There's just look for the rude, uh, and the Twitch streaming, I'm still doing that. So come say hi. Perfect. And I'll post the links in the, in the text and the commentary around the podcast too. Awesome. 